Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. If it came seldom and faintly, that was still more than any Aes Sedai had had since Guitar Moroso, dead now 20 years. The very first thing Elida had ever foretold, while still unaccepted, and had known enough even then to keep to herself, was that the royal line of Andor would be the key to defeating the Dark One in the last battle. Elida? Prologue? The Shadow Rising. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today, if you haven't <laughs> guessed already, we are starting The Shadow Rising. Yay! We are! I'm excited. I know you're I excited. Know. I know. <laughs> When I was young reading these books, whenever a new one would come out, I would always read the ones before it so that I would feel ready for the new one. And I, I mean, as you can imagine, that became like an, a really hefty process after a while, but book four was always my favorite one to get to. And I still think it is one of my favorites. Maybe I'll change my mind once I've like picked it apart like this, but for the time being, I mean, we get point of views in this first chapter that are not, they haven't been seen at all before, you know? And so it's like, yes, new. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a Min one before. Have we? Okay. Yeah, hers, she had one at the very end of the Great Hunt, but it was short. That's right. Shorty, shorty, short. That's right. It's when she's holding Rand, right? Yes, that encounter yeah. with mm-hmm. Lanfear. And then Elida, I don't believe we've had a point of view from Elida. Yeah, I don't think so. Dane Bornhold, I can't recall. Joffrem, definitely. Yeah. But Suroth is new. Mm-hmm. Suroth is new. We may have somewhere out there, like a short excerpt from. Dane Bornhold, probably in response to the death of his father, but it is fun to get, like, points of view from inside the various groups as well, because, you know, we've got White Cloaks, we have Aes Sedai, we have Poor Men, and we have a High Lady from the Shan Chen, and their culture is just so weird, unusual. Off-putting? Trying to think of a good word for it. Yeah, I mean, the Shanchen culture is definitely, I would say, the most different of all Mm -hmm. of the cultures within the Wheel of Time. There's this pretty far out there. Mm -hmm. Tremal King is another odd one, but that's has nothing to do with (laughs) today, (laughs) really. Not today. Some point in the future, yes. Today, no. But I think there's a lot to build on with the Shan Chen. What we're seeing right now with the television show is 
It's looking like the Sean Chen are going to be a really big part of season two. I mean, mm-hmm. almost all of the little clips and mm-hmm. sizzle reels that we've seen have Sean Chen in them. And it seems mm-hmm. like it. you could almost think that they might be just as big a part of the story as our young Taviran, you know? Yeah, I agree. Which I'm okay with. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, like, I I think that one of the things that we often discuss is how, how much darker we want the series to be, and this absolute monarchy, militaristic group of people, this the Shan Chen, like, they have that ability. Like, when I was reading over the Lady Struth's part and she was talking about, like, there would be no Shan Chen if there were no Domine, and I was like, they're their dragons. <laughs> like, that's their power source that lets them obliterate pretty much anything in their way if they want to. And it made me think of, like, discussions around House of the Dragon and how, like, that comes up, that's their power. And to have, like, the character inside the chapter, like, so blatantly just put that out there, I was like, oh, that's a good point. I think we've probably talked about it before, too, but I like that it's just, like, right there in the chapter. Yeah, she's definitely a fun one to get. Definitely a nice little change. Sometimes I really like the prologues, especially in this case, because you're really jumping around and getting all of these different points of view. Mm-hmm. The prologue from The Great Hunt really stands out to me in the same way, because it's like mm-hmm. Bale Doman, and then flash to Padan Fane, and then flash to Joffrey Bornhold, and it's nice opening up the world even more, like we're doing now, mm-hmm. especially like with men getting to the tower i i like men she's a good character mm-hmm. i like the white tower it's a fun location but i mm-hmm. have to say as a first time reader that's when i was like ooh wow cool okay like i want to know way more about how all of this works mm-hmm. and on the reread not so much i'm like okay i get it gawen's here that's fun. More with Swan. Okay. Men's prophecies. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it was probably the least favorite POV out of the whole prologue. I always like her descriptions or Robert Jordan's descriptions of men's visions. Like some of them are just really kind of cleverly set. Like whichever Aes Sedai it is that she sees that has like the little sun-bleached skull nestled in the vines of her the shawl that she's wearing like that's where her vision shows up on that person so would we like to start off with this white tower yeah i wrote out a summary for the chapter if you want me to do that and then i also have a like a little bit of an outline for us to follow if you want well okay let's do the min summary then cool it's super short You'll probably (laughs) appreciate how very short it is. 
Min, Almendretta, arrives in Tarvalon after a very long ride from the beginning of book three. She's wearing a dress and hoping no one recognizes her in her clever disguise. Once in the tower, she makes the road to man to speak with the Amaralyn seat. That's all I wrote. And I figure we could just That's talk about... That's all she wrote. Yeah. I figure we could just talk about the weird little things that happens in between. Like why she's convinced her dress is a good disguise. Why, men? Oh, dear. Like, like, she, like it, she's like, this is a good disguise. Everyone's used to me wearing pants. <laughs> is that how that works? Once you put on a dress, you're unrecognizable? That's like, I took my glasses off. Right, it shook my <laughs> hair out. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly I'm a whole new person. So she's, I, I did like how... We kind of get this again. I think it happens every time. <laughs> yeah. First time, like, someone gets back to Tarvalon, where we've got these sweeping views of the landscape and what the city looks like. And I know it's probably redundant. I mean, I'm sure Robert Jordan really wanted us to remember what the city looked like because I feel like every book we get that same language and description but I, I it always it always makes me smile it does i think this whole it, it almost sounds like canyons how something would be shaped by water or wind like just a mm. part of nature mm-hmm. and i think that's really cool sometimes the descriptions don't feel quite the same as that Mm-hmm. But this one almost made me think of canyons that were shaped by time. And I think that the interpretation of Tarvalon from the TV show was really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's much more, it feels much more man made. It does. Than these very fantasy. Mm-hmm. Even, I would say this almost feels more sci-fi, the way it's explained in the books. But Mm -hmm. I do think that that's probably a better call for the television show. When we spoke to friend of the show production designer Andre Nekvasil, he (laughs) was saying how, you know, like you want the tower to feel like a real structure, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can't have Mm -hmm. this... I don't know how high, 90 foot, whatever, tower, and, like, there's no elevators. Like, how are people getting around? Like, this has to make sense structurally Yeah. from the standpoint of, like, being able to go inside it and move around and have different quarters and different chambers and for the spaces to be usable. And you don't Mm -hmm. want this massive building when you go inside it's all like these teeny tiny rooms that doesn't feel like what you're looking at when it's CGI'd, if that makes yeah, sense. It does. But I like that. And that's what it made me think of. I still wanted it to be just slightly more whimsical, maybe. Like I liked when you said it was like the description in the book has a fantasy feel to it. And that's what I like about being in Tarvalon when we're in in the book, like you said, and I I would have liked to have seen at least something that felt more like that and less like an interpretation of Tarvalon, I guess. I didn't hate it, but it definitely was not what I wanted. 
But I guess in my head, it's always that like shining tower from the never ending story. Like that's <laughs> impractical, doesn't do anything, but it's tall and slender and white and glowing in, in the distance, whatever. Like to me, that's what it always looked like in my head. So the show one was kind of like, eh. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I liked the night scene. I think that one was a good scene for Tarvalin. I remember liking that. Yeah, I think where the architecture and the cities really stood out is in like the small places. Mm-hmm. You know, the small. Oh yes. The mm-hmm. small towns, the mm-hmm. sitting rooms, the little mm-hmm. courtyard areas. Mm-hmm. I think yes. that's kind of more my thing. But I love that part. I'm not a big fan of maybe these high fantasy cities anyways, like in mm-hmm. adaptations because it feels so fake, <laughs> you know? Right, like, yeah. And we, you definitely don't want that. Like Tarval in, in the TV series, I feel does feel realistic. It feels attainable, you know? And there are parts of it that are just like downright charming and lovely throughout everything. And it's grown on me. It's grown on me. It's sometimes hard to like take what you've had in your head for several decades and like flip it and be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to do it because I'm just I'm thrilled that they're they're making a TV show out of it and they're continuing to move forward with it. So Men in the Tower is where we were. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about in this? I know you said like this is not necessarily your favorite. Well, since it's it's really hard to talk about men's viewings mm-hmm. in a spoil-free way. But okay. every person that she comes across has a different one and she sees different things and Leanne's was the one that I was immediately like, oh, no, yeah, okay. Right. So that was the one that immediately jumped out at me. The one that Gawain has, I'm like, okay, I I remember that one. I remember Mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. Shiriam's was another one, but that one made me think for a minute. I was like, do I remember what that, okay, yeah, I think I know what that one is. I think Mm -hmm. I know what that one is. Mm-hmm. But pretty much every single person she comes across, it's a bad omen that she mm-hmm. gets. Nobody has a good one. No. Like death. I think she even says it at some point where it's like death, imprisonment, and death again. Like it's just that's all all she's seeing as she's walking through the tower, even down to like the servants. Like there are servants yes. that she's walking by that are going to die on the same day or within a day of the other people, these Aes Sedai warders. She's seeing these viewings on warders. Like, mm-hmm. I understand why she'd want to be, like, running to the Amarillan study. And she's like, Sarah, you go faster. Let's <laughs> go, go, yeah. go. You gotta go. I mean, and except for the moments where she's sidetracked by talking to Gawain. Where right. she kind of like loses track of time mm-hmm. and she's noticing that all of the other women around him are kind of like being very flirty kind of or maybe mm-hmm. sidetracked by just looking at him 
because mm-hmm. he and Galad are just they're too beautiful. They're too precious. They're just they dream are boats. the eye candy of the White Tower. And apparently, <laughs> honestly, is there even a reason that they're allowed to hang out? Because I'm sure nobody does their jobs when they're around. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I can just imagine Swan Sanjay wanting to send them back packing as soon mm-hmm. as possible because everyone just turns into a dope when they're in. Including the Aes Sedai. Yeah. What the heck? I Come mean, on now. don't get me wrong, but if I were an Aes Sedai and this 15, 16-year-old kid showed up, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be all batting my eyelashes. I would right. probably be like oh oh dear the princes are here yay (laughs) (laughs) because of how they act they're they're so kind of not snooty but Mm -hmm. you can tell they were you know privileged self-important yeah 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 and two we learn about how gawain is really concerned about elaine and Egwene Mm -hmm. and nynaeve and we oh. also learn that Gawain's got a big crush on Egwene, but he's not going to move in on it because Galad also has a crush on Egwene. So we've got our Children. next love triangle, kind <laughs> of. Kind of. My favorite, my favorite thing. This one's so bad. This one's so bad and weird and bad. It's so weird. It's where I yeah. get stuck. Is the the that of all of this. I mean, if I was a teenager, I'd probably think it was a lot more interesting. You know what? I do remember being more like, oh, it's a crush. They like each other. Oh, like that kind of response to it when I was younger. Like those were things that I kind of enjoyed in my stories. And I guess as I've gotten older, like, the the romance aspect doesn't appeal to me as much as it once did, especially when it's done like this. <laughs> I think the problem with me is that it's not even romance, you know? Exactly. Like, it's just mm-hmm. flirting and blushing and eyelash batting and... Mm-hmm. Crushes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm- as you get a little bit older and maybe more jaded. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, oh, no, I it's... think it's safe to say jaded. It's okay. You, I think you can say that. <laughs> it definitely, I think, I, I mean, this could just be me personally, but it definitely feels catered towards a younger mm-hmm. reader. And maybe that's why I'm a Tom Marilyn kind of person. Maybe that's why I'm more into land chapters, why I really yeah. like Swan Sanchez chapters. I don't mm-hmm. know. Different, different strokes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how like that makes it uh, another um, aspect of the book that keeps it appealing. Even as you age out of the 16, 17, 18-year-old love triangle. Yeah, but it could also be a detriment. Someone could read it and be like, eh, True. not my thing. Close Yeah, it. yeah. I think it's not enough of like the main story for it to be a turnoff for me. 
but again, I can, like you said, I can see where it would be a detriment and someone else might be like, meh, not so much. Yeah. So let's talk about Swan Sanche once men greets her because we have Swan Sanche in men's viewing mm-hmm. laying naked on the mm-hmm. ground and she's having this feeling that something else is really wrong but she can't really be sure what it is and Swan Sanche just kind of hand waves it and was like huh like no big deal mm-hmm. like come on and tell me what's going on <laughs> so she's like no doubt it means I'll take a lever. And then I think the line that she uses is something like, there's no time for winking at the men when there are fish in the nets or something like that. And I'm just like, Swan, you're so funny. I don't know why she would think it was a lever, but I mean, I guess... Well, because she was naked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's the only thing that does quickly make sense. But I'm thinking about how often Ooh, I see many bubble baths in your future. <laughs> I mean, I would laugh that off too. <laughs> You're naked, but something else is wrong. Mm, there's bubble baths in your future, but you can never get the water temperature right. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, Terrifying. That is- I was just going to say, no, that's the part. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does make sense. It does, it does make sense. But I don't know. It just seems like she, she blows it off too easily. You know, like men's really uncomfortable around this. So I just, maybe she's in that whole, I'll focus on just the things that I need to focus on now because that's all I have control over. And so, like, this is just, like, the easiest way of dismissing it and moving on to what is potentially really important in this conversation with men. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a scenario where someone would be naked and in danger, you know? Well, held captive by the Aiel, they like to have their captives sit naked. That's what they do. Anytime the majority of our like, I shouldn't say the majority. There are several captive moments where people lose their clothing and the loss of clothing is used as a form of intimidation. So, I mean, if there's something wrong and you're naked, my thought is some sort of attack and I'm vulnerable. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's continue. So Swan tells men about the black Aja in the tower. And I think, too, this is one of those moments where black Aja everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is really, really important that Swan is letting her in on this secret because no one knows this except for Elaine, Egwene, Nynaeve, and Min. Mm -hmm. and now if they weren't already now the four of them are just kind of they're entwined in this secret and I think this is just something that's going to bring them closer even though it's extremely dangerous but of course like that's how situations happen and people get closer by overcoming 
you know, scary stuff together. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really fun. And I do really like how Swan Sanche is talking about Moraine after Min kind of relays this message from Moraine that Rand is mm-hmm. like on his way to Tear, and Swan's upset because she's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like everything's just falling apart. Can't Moraine just, you know, do what she's supposed to do and get it done? And mm-hmm. she's like, no, you don't understand. Rand left. He took mm-hmm. off in the middle of the night. <laughs> like This is not, she's not trying to Nothing. do this. It just happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Swan's like, where where did he go? And she's like, probably Tear." <laughs> And Swan's reaction is just like, it's really comical. It's really cute. It's really fun. But again, I love Swan Sanche. So I can't, mm-hmm. I can't not point out just how her reactions are so over the top kind of and just, uh, just so Swanee. We love her. <laughs> yeah. I had not thought about men as being added to the Black Aja hunting party until you just linked that all up for me. I feel kind of silly. <laughs> but that's exactly what she's she's doing. And you're so right. Like, this puts her in, like, this little tiny group of gals that are all out hunting the Black Aja together, but not together. And I love that, like, Swan is like, so your disguise, by the way, is going to be a makeup kit and some time with Leanne, and more dresses, and we're going to curl your hair. And no one will ever know it's you. Ever. Yeah, I could live without this, but, I mean, okay. Why do they feel like they need to hide her? I mean, she's been there before. So why don't they just say Min's back and she's hanging out at the tower again for a while? I would assume because the Black Aja knows that she's close with Egwene and Nynaeve so the Black Aja has already encountered them Mm. okay and if we link men to them then that might be a red flag she might become it be put in danger put in harm's way yeah that's true that's true I don't know It, it just feels unnecessary but at the same time like you said there there needs to be a way to protect her so, without their, without, man, it's just, <laughs> here you go, go curl your hair, Leanne will show you how to use some makeup brushes and whatnot, you're gonna be so cute when you're done, no one will ever know it's you, doesn't Laris at some point jump in and help out with this too? Yes, 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 because Laris was a smoke show in her youth, and... <laughs> Laris was hot. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it. Mm-hmm. Laris was hot. Yeah. She was a hottie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when, when I was younger, this was more fun. You know, like the, the girly aspect of it appealed to me. I'm just wondering about, you know, third age, third age cosmetics in general, you know? Right. I think we actually get like a little bit of a glimpse at it later in the series where there's like a description of the well, brushes. Yeah, they call it, yeah, and in this chapter as well, they call it rouge, not yeah. blush. 
which right. I'm like, oh, Rouge, that yeah. sounds like my dearly departed grandmother. I just bought talking some. Talking about her makeup. <laughs> I, just, I just bought some Rouge. <laughs> um, uh, I mean. I mean, I love yeah. old lady shit, so it totally makes sense that I would do that. But well, yeah. I'm not. I'm talking about how, at the time this was written, the names mm-hmm. of things have changed. You know, like, it's not like men applied her foundation base and then she contours, <laughs> you know? It's like she just slapped she some rouge it. on her cheeks and went Good to, to town. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. I think this is I one of those that. things that, where I felt like I could clearly tell that this the story is dated a bit mm-hmm. well and again if like his his wife is the one who was reading over her his work they were roughly the same age i think and so like her like inner vocabulary probably would also be for rouge and not something more modern blush she doesn't yeah. use a primer no primers no, uh, no blur effect spray stuff. What do you think they use as a makeup remover in the third age? Uh, a damp cloth from the river? <laughs> no, it was probably like paraffin and oil. Yeah, I was thinking oil. Like some sort of oil. Yeah, that's still my favorite way to take my makeup off, though, to be honest with you. It's like a good makeup removing oil. Love it. Mycelia water. I, I don't know how I don't know what it's called in English. <laughs> no, that's I, I hope know exactly I'm, what I hope you're I'm talking right. about. Yeah, yeah, no, that shit's great. You know, mycelia like, water. I think that's how you say it. Okay, mycelar. I don't know, but I know what you're talking about, and it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff for anybody out there. <laughs> Makeup tips from Tracy and Amber. Makeup tips. We would make a bomb-ass makeup tips, perfume tips. <laughs> Tracy's rouge tips. Tracy's rouge tips. Yeah, we would be really good at that. That's one of our other favorite things. Let's talk soap, you know? Okay, so Swan is so, like, at the end of her discussion with men, she kind of, like, she susses out the fact that Min's got a thing for Rand. And so then Min is like, yeah, I saw Vision and I'm going to fall in love with him. And so are two other women. And it's it's dumb. I tried to not take it seriously. But here I am. And this is how it is. And Swan's like, and no indication that he's going to fall in love with you back. And Min's like, nope. And it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to be hard on men. I know a lot of people love men. I'm not a huge men fan. Yeah. Because this is just, oh, it, it feels so degrading. It feels mm-hmm. so degrading. I'm like, girl, just turn, turn around and walk away. Turn around. Seriously, <laughs> you don't need this. It's just too much. It's too much. There's a lot that's going to come along with this. And plus, how, how horrible is the pattern to be like, you have to fall in love with this person. You get no right? choice. This doesn't seem fair. 
And I almost, like, I wonder how much she tried to fight it or if she was like, oh, like, I have to sleep with this dude because the fate of the world depends on it. Yay! Yeah! Like, is she just sitting on his rant, sitting on Rand's lap for, like, for the pattern? It's all, right. It's for, I'm doing it for the pattern. Taking one for, for the, the team pattern. for the pattern. That's right. That's right. Like, I, it, the whole thing just makes me feel so, ugh, so icky. I don't like mm-hmm. it. I think maybe when it first happened, she, because I think she even says it here, she was like, I tried to like laugh it off and like push it aside, but like she couldn't help but fall in love with him kind of thing. And I was like, really? Because when you've met him, he's been so charming and irresistible that you just couldn't. You love him, <laughs> right? You don't even know him. Yeah, all he's done was injured. He was injured in her presence. Right. Really, that was about you it. You talked to him for thirty <laughs> seconds in the stable yard of an inn. Like that's your whole experience with him, and you're in love with him. Can you imagine if every stranger that you <laughs> talked to for thirty <laughs> seconds in passing, someone I told you them. you have to love them? The fate of the world depends on it. I mean, my postal delivery person, that would be awkward. <laughs> I'll just always hide inside my house. The checkout at the grocery store. It could just be anybody. The fact that there are three of them that are going to fall in love with Rand. Why? 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 That's still one I don't understand. Why? Hear me out. Maybe. Robert Jordan was trying to add a little kink to the story, and this was the most kinky he could make it without it being straight up pornographic. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is still kind of like a really, for some people, even today, like if you think of people who are polygamists or something, because in the book, that's essentially like, what it's closer to. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the TV show, but that's pretty out there for many, many people. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know that in some cultures, you know, it, it still happens, but mm-hmm. I think it's pretty, pretty different. So, I mean, maybe he thought like this was something interesting or cool or fun or something that was somewhat like sexual, but also kind of interesting and quirky. And he just mm-hmm. thought that's going to be one of the cool things about the story. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. There's... Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about the people themselves because spoilers, but... Right. Each one of them kind of has their own thing about them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Every guy's dream, right? Having three very beautiful talented sexy young women just at your disposal to do yeah yeah i mean i don't know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah i just um, 90s kink tracy 90s kink okay i see what you're saying and i agree with you and i think it's a i think it's a real possibility I mean, what's the other, what's the other option? I don't, I can't think of one. 
And that's what I've been trying to do is like... I don't know. Well, and I'm like, is there some sort of lore out there, like some sort of mythology that has like a like a single hero figure who has three women attached to him in some way? I mean, I know that like threes are important. Like I'm thinking of like little baby Jesus and the three wise men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like three is <laughs> always one of those numbers. Yeah, I mean, you know what, Robert Jordan? You should have made it 10. 10 lovers, you coward. <laughs> Shock me. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can talk about this more when we scoot over to a more spoilery discussion because there's a lot that, especially if this is an attempt at a representation of a polygamous relationship, there's a lot about it that's like, I would say problematic. <laughs> and I can't talk about any of it right now. Well, you can talk about polygamy. Yeah. I mean, this could be an attempt at that, but it wouldn't necessarily be like, and I don't really know a whole lot about polygamous relationships. I have like the teeniest, tiniest bit of knowledge around it. But if that's the case, like if that's, the kind of relationship that they have, then there should also be an opportunity for the women to have relationships outside of their relationship with Rand. And it does not seem as though that is explored in anything other than a platonic form. I think polygamy is like one person and their lovers. It doesn't mean the lovers get to be lovers with anyone else. I think that's the difference between it and polyamory, correct? Oh my goodness, you're so right. I am so sorry. I had my terminology all fuzzled up. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you didn't think that I was like rattling off that polyamory is like weird or something. No. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, 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 I'm so sorry. Like, I think I really just like, I think my brain just swapped the two words while we were talking. Okay. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So no problem. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, but I don't know. Like with their relationship, the three mm -hmm. and Rand, I think that if they, if the three women had been raised in an environment where this was the norm, it makes it less weird, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case 100%. <laughs> so it also makes it kind of interesting that they would just agree to it and say, like, yeah, we're happy with this uh, setup here. So, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe it's more empowering that they are, like, resolute and to be like, mm. okay, we're okay with this setup. Mm -hmm. And it's not something ingrained in them. Maybe that, you know, they hmm. have the choice. So, I don't know. Go on. Girls, get it. Do what you want. Yeah, I'm totally fine with them making this work. But the thing is, is if there's even an inkling that one of them doesn't want this, then that's when mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, straight out of the gate, it doesn't really seem like this is something that men want. Right. You know? Yes, and we're so coming it's... right back around to men. Thank you. Yes. 
Yes, like she she does not seem to want it, and that's why I'm just like, don't love them, don't love this for men. (laughs) No, no, we're just sad that Min doesn't feel as though she has a choice. Like a lot of this just feels like it's foisted upon her, including makeup and curls. And I'm sorry, Min. I'm sorry. I'm glad that later on she seems to kind of embrace it and enjoy it. Like that, I I like that, but. The fact that she didn't feel like she had a whole lot of an option about it. that like Yeah. All right. So Elida is up next, oh my I believe. God. Yeah. Quick summary. Elida is creeping around the halls of the White Tower, suspiciously close to the Amarillan seat study. She recognizes Min and her wheels begin to turn as she stalks through the tower, thinking of ways to stop the quote-unquote destruction she fears Swan is leading them to. Yeah. All well. All all while talking to herself. Right. <laughs> oh, I hope this, they do this in the TV show. I would laugh so me hard. Me too. Me too. <laughs> like, I can see it. This is one of those things where I can see it in my head. Like, the swish of her skirts, the people flying out of her way so that she doesn't trample them. This poor brown sister who's just reading and Elida's just like, why aren't you getting out of my way? Just get out of my way. And the whole time, she's just like in her head. Yeah. I think it's so goofy just to picture this woman sitting there, standing there talking to herself, mumbling to herself. Like, are you, you okay, Lida? You all right? That's how Al- Alvieran approaches her. She's like, don't you have any friends to talk to? Just rampaging around talking to yourself what's wrong with you <laughs> honestly i think this is one of the best burns that i Seriously? totally had forgotten about it's really yes. good it's, it's really so good. good it's so good like this is the only moment that i like alvieran in just this one <laughs> talking to yourself elida i know you reds and never have friends outside your own aja but you surely have friends to talk to inside it don't you probably not (laughs) probably not but probably not this all goes back to her kind of obsessing over the royal line of andor and now we learn more about elida's own type of foretellings which Mm -hmm. i mean yeah that's a pretty cool trick pretty important Good for mm-hmm. her, but I like how it's just plopped down into the story right next to Min, who's having prophetic visions of her own. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it's weird because it's almost like in this world, it's like, nobody can do this. It's so rare, super duper rare. So rare. Oh my god, guys. And I was like, oh, like, well, here's two people who can pretty much do it. And we've seen another one who can do it. And it's like, okay, the foretelling thing. Super duper rare. But we're going to be seeing a lot of it. (laughs) Super duper rare, but not rare at all? Is that? Yeah. Is that what I told you how much I hate prophecy? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, like, Every time I get to like a prophecy moment, I think of you and I, I, I have a little groan on your behalf. Like, 
<laughs> like, oh, Amber's going to hate this. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's got to be a more clever way to get the story rolling and to get people to do the things they need to do. I think, it, you know, like, what's more exciting to read? Someone that has ambition? Someone mm-hmm. that has a motive because of, I don't know, someone they care about for mm-hmm. personal, maybe something for personal growth, maybe money, mm-hmm. maybe fame, maybe luck. That's a good one. I love that one. Yeah. That's why I included it, just for you. But thank because you, prophecy you. says so is just a... Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's only fun when that's wrong, I think, when it gets twisted. Like, you yeah, know, when someone mm-hmm. shows up and it's not what they thought it was so that you've, mm-hmm. you, you get a surprise. But mm-hmm. when there's a prophecy mm-hmm. and it gets fulfilled, it's like, yay, I, I had no idea that was going to happen. So, like, when Brand got to tear and actually was holding Calendar, you weren't like, whoa! I was not, sadly, no. <laughs> but the thing with tear though, is that, like, Calendor is not really, it's, I mean, it's, like, talked about a little bit, but it's not, like, mm-hmm. this huge part of the story, so it wasn't something mm-hmm. I was, like, waiting for. Like, it happens, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that thing. So, I yeah. don't know. But For me, on, great- on that one, where the prophecy was actually good was the Aiel showing up. Because for me, I mean, especially reading it for the first time, you know, having the people of the dragon show up like that, like, and that their prophecy is different than the one that we had been exposed to. I liked that part. But other than that, I kind of, like, I agree with you. I feel like it's kind of lazy writing. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. It's done. It's done fairly often. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not something new or groundbreaking. But let's Mm-mm. be fair. This this is an older series. So. It is. I always forget that. I always so. forget that. Like I have, I have what the thirtieth anniversary edition. Is that right or something like that? Close to whatever. Multiple decades. I mean, the series started multiple decades ago, and I always forget that. It's so weird. Forgot what I was going to say. So, <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> so, there were a couple things with Elida that I thought were, I mean, along with her attaching herself to the, the Royal House of Andor, because, of course, if she has a foretelling, it's all about her. And so, like, she jumps in, <laughs> attaches herself to more gays. And now Elaine, who's gone missing, has, like, fucked up all of this work that she's done. And Elida's not mad because Elaine's missing because she's worried about Elaine. She's mad because Elaine being missing again will make it impossible for her to reattach herself to Morghese and the royal line of Andor, which, like, frustrates the shit out of her. Because how is she going to get this foretelling figured out? Yeah. I don't know. She's one of the most compelling characters, I think. I I love Elida for what she is, not who not how she is, but she's a great character to just hate. She's not dumb either. 
Like, she's got a lot of flaws, and she's not, like, the brightest of all of the people around her, but she does have this moment where she's, like, talking about Maureen and Swan, and she's like, I doubt most people remember that they were, like, super besties back in the day, and then they became Aes Sedai, and they never talked to each other again. And she's like, uh, she could hardly believe that their plot could stretch back so far. Althor could not have been born much before that, yet it was the last link to tie them all together. For her, it was enough. And so she's like, pulled all these little pieces together where she's like, is it possible? Is it possible that Swan and Moraine are working together? And do you think anybody else has made that connection in the tower? Like, that's a big connection. Yeah, but Elida is like single white femaleing them. Oh, good point. She's obsessed with the two of them. So, like, yes. she's probably the only one who would catch this because since New Spring, Elida's just been obsessing over yeah. Moraine and Swan Sanjay. So, like, maybe the, that's just, <laughs> I don't know, that's just the part of her. Like, she's looking for reasons. Right, and even though right. this one is, like, super far-fetched, she's like, that's got to be it. And it's just, yeah. like, the super off chance right, that right. she's actually right. Right, that's what I think. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because you're, you're so right. You're so right. You're so right. Like, she stumbled onto this just because of her... Like, her weirdo obsession. I mean, if you're watching someone for 30-plus years, like a hawk... Right. And trying to... I mean, she's, she's eavesdropping on Swan Sanche right now. I mean, mm-hmm. obsessed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, she's looking for anything. So, and then she walks away, and she has her, like... <laughs> I love thinking of it as like this rampage through, <laughs> through the White Tower. <laughs> Do you think she's an arm swinger? Do you think when she walks, she like swings her arms? No, even worse, she doesn't move them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She walks with straight arms like a serial <laughs> killer. <laughs> the last thing... I mean, besides the fact that, like, her and Alviren have, like, this conversation and they're walking away and at the end of it, Alviren's like, hmm, I shall ponder what you have to say. She says that, like, she knows, she knows about Althor and she knows that nobody else knows about, the, about him and she wants to somehow take care of him. And I think she's even talking about, like, Matt and Perrin as well involved in this. And she says they would never agree to sp- to dispose of them of the one in particular as he must be disposed of for the good of the tower for the good of the world and i'm like what do you what do you mean by disposed of elida and i was like elida's gonna kill rand and i never like capture him sure kill him like dispose of him why is the red aja I mean, maybe this isn't every person in the Red Aja, but I think it's a safe bet. Mm-hmm. I think they all want to do the same thing to him, but he's the Dragon Reborn. How's he supposed to win the last battle if he's dead? Do you right. want everyone to die? Right. Do they not believe him in the prophecy? Plot hole. Giant plot hole. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. 
And I was like, Lady, you can't kill him. You can't kill him. And I was kind of shocked reading it this time around and putting it with the idea of her intentionally wanting to murder him and thinking about it in this calm kind of way. Like, he just has to be disposed of, just like piece of garbage floating around in a beautiful stream. Typical Elida. It's, a, it's an interesting glimpse into Elida's mind. The wonderful world of Elida. Ah, I love to hate her. Right. <laughs> should we move on to uh dane bornhold now yes we should dane bornhold is in the two rivers with a large quantity of white cloaks and an unsavory traveling companion that's all i wrote <laughs> <laughs> i like that he's he's pretty much like staring across at terran fairy right and I forget. There's another white cloak there with him who's giving him a message. Mm -hmm. And we have the mention of Ordith, <laughs> mm -hmm. which, okay, I can't remember or not. But he called himself Ordith in the last, not in the last book, in The Great Hunt. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert Ordith is someone you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that they're talking about the Tuatha on. Mm -hmm. And my heart goes out because it's like these are the people that are fairly defenseless. Right. And they're talking about dead dogs. Mm. I don't like that. Them. I hurt my heart. Yeah. These shifty white cloaks need to be dealt with and fast. Don't mm -hmm. think that's going to be happening. I think we're going to no. be seeing a lot more of them. Probably. But even Dane Bornhold thinks this Ordith guy is off his rocker. You know, he's like, there's something wrong with this dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I guess we'll just keep going along with it because I must avenge my dead father by that well blasted killer dark friend Paranibara. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh god the delusion is strong it really is and he also like he has orders he has orders signed by the lord captain commander of the white cloaks i think we have like bornhold throughout this chapter kind of is like i don't understand why i have to deal with this guy he's even told that he has to take advice like, if Ordith offers him advice, he's supposed to be there as an advisor. And Bornhold is like, that's all I get. That's all I get. Like, not any really clear direction. It's just, uh, there's, here's this weird dude, and he's going to help you go into the two rivers. And that's, <laughs> that's all he's got. But it's from the Lord Captain Commander, so what can he do? Yeah. Mysterious. Mysterious. It is weird. Like, how? I just, what? We know, we know from previous chapters with previous white cloaks who are also dark friends that it's not impossible to infiltrate the children of the light if you're a dark friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. That's true. Question marks there. Okay, before I ask this, were the, the Tuathaan heading towards the two rivers to begin with or were they 
just kind of skirting around that area as part of their travels. I think it was a part of their travels unless there's some type of prophecy involved. Maybe that's something that will come up in a later chapter. Yeah. Because I think at the very, towards the end, Dane Bornhold says he's going to take like 300 men across the river mm-hmm. and take the tinkers across as well. Mm-hmm. So like, it, it appears that they're traveling with them. So I don't know if the tinkers really have a choice at this point. Mm-hmm. Like wherever they were, wherever they met up and like crossed paths with the white cloaks, kind of feels like the white cloaks are calling the shots from after that yeah. point. They're now more prisoner. Yeah. Than anything else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like Bornhold gets called over and told that Ordeath has taken three of the tinkers aside and now none of them can be, they can't be found. Yeah. And Bornhold yeah. is like, that fucking guy, that fucking guy. And of course, Rodith is like, meh. I questioned him a little. Just yeah, a little. Ve- at the very end of the chapter, he's like, by golly, Pedro Nile has tied me to a madman. <laughs> it's right. Like, <laughs> I yeah. Think you're, I, mean, I think you're on to something there, Dane. <laughs> so as they're getting ready to like, go into the two rivers uh ordith says we will scour the two rivers we will flog them and flay them and sear their souls i promised him he'll come to me now he will come <laughs> dane's like what the fuck dude i do not think this was on his to-do list i don't think dane had flogging flailing flaying and searing of souls Searing of souls. Is that right? I yep, like that's my right. Souls that's what he like said. I like my steaks. <laughs> Seared and bloody. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, seriously, like I, I almost, I have like this little tiny grain of sympathy for Dane Bornhold because he has to deal with Ordeez, and it's just like consumed by how much I dis buys all white cloak related activities i mean you could call them the dirty weasel boys like i do that makes me that makes things a little bit more exciting (laughs) dane and the dirty weasel boys yes (laughs) forever and always from now on thank you (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome i needed that Okay, so we know that they're going to be up to no good in the two rivers. And then I think the last one is the High Lady Suruth. Is that right? Yeah, Suroth. I say Suroth. I don't know. Okay, quick summary. The High Lady Suruth has taken over one of the Seafolk Islands and is plotting how best to lead the Helene to success after the horrible mess at Falma. Yeah, I had to look up this place, this Cantoran. Mm-hmm. And there's not really anything about it. It doesn't seem Mm -hmm. very exciting or interesting. So that was a big letdown. It really was. (laughs) 
it really was. I like I I got to and I was like ooh, and then I scrolled and I was like oh, all right. Would have been a lot cooler before. if we got to know more about it, but I guess it has this elaborate building with like a colonnade structure to it, and part of her inner monologue says something about how like they removed the mayor of this island and like took over their government structure or whatever it is and i'm like okay so this is like a place place like this isn't just like you know people hanging out in huts and like little fishing boats and whatnot this is like an established place so i was really hoping for more than like four sentences about it yeah no such luck but regardless it's the high right. lady sue roth she's there she's the new hbic she is in charge and pretty much the sea folk and all these other people are essentially her hostages and they can therefore as hostages they can't inform anyone that the sean chen are moving in so Mm -hmm. it's part of this attack that's going on and I think it's really interesting because either one, you have to be so feared that you don't believe that anyone is going to blab, or two, delusional. Yeah. She does seem to think that she's somehow going to maintain the secrecy of her location and that they're just like sitting there waiting. And I mean, she may be able to keep it to a minimum enough that by the time it reaches people who may be affected by it, they just think of it as rumor. So I think she's, I think she's trying to play like a game of minimizing risk more than anything else. You know what? I'd say she's overconfident, but I mean, the people in the Westlands also seem kind of gullible or stubborn. Like, anytime someone's like, there's this weird thing happening, and they're like, no, that's just foolishness. Yeah. <laughs> Utter foolishness. That's just silly. Like, someone in tear laughing at the idea of snow. Ha, ha, ha. How could that possibly happen? Really? Mm-hmm. You think snow's not a thing that could happen? So, I mean, you could probably... And I mean, even Swan, when... Min is talking to her about, like, potential threats against the White Tower. She's like, all of my weird visions have to mean a battle. And Swan's like, no way. And it's either the White Cloaks or it's the Shan Chen. And Swan's like, there's absolutely no, no chance it's going to be the, the Shan Chen. And even if it is, we are far enough away that I will know well in advance by pigeon. I'll get a pigeon first, Min. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I I think one of the main things that I took away from this chapter was just how upfront and like in your face it is that one of the women that she's questioning, Domine, Domine, mm-hmm. is an Aes Sedai, an ex-Aes Sedai, a captured Aes Sedai, and she's just like reaching out for help, like just, you know, like you... You could see any second now this woman is going to be like, you know, grabbing at her feet, you know, like, please, Mm -hmm. please, because she's Mm -hmm. just being beaten and with these leash torture tactics. And Mm -hmm. 
I just, oh, I don't know. Like, it's really hard for me to talk about in this instance because, for one, I want to avoid spoilers. But mm-hmm. I think of all of, ah, this is so hard. I don't know how I can say this without spoilers. Reprehensible, reprehensible. It's very hard to see how anyone like this in this situation could ever have anything redeeming about them. If there was something redeeming about them, mm-hmm. would you be able to look past this? So there, I, I tried it without spoilers. You did so well. Thank you. You're welcome. Do we want to just jump into spoilers? I mean, yeah, because the only thing that, like, comes out of this is, like, Saruth is just, like, wrapping up her plotting, and she includes in it, besides, like, leading the Haley, and she's also going to capture the Dragon Reborn, just for funsies, just Mm -hmm. cuz. So, yeah. Yeah. Watch out, Rand. Watch out, Rand. Poor Rand. Poor Rand. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on the road to Tarvalin. All right, well, I'm going to kick off the spoilers then. I had a thought the other day Mm. and I'm very curious, hopefully people listening, I would love to know from them as well, but... Do you think if there was a character that was a woman who was really lovable and kind of a little bit mischievous, but all in all like a good person, how do you think it would be taken if she married a slaver and just kind of went along with it and never really like made a big deal about it like do you think she would be just torn apart by people by readers wow wow and i'm getting at this because of obviously matt marries tuon yep and i mean i'm really glad that you brought up tuon and slavery and matt because it also makes me think of men because once Tuon meets Min and finds out what Min can do, Min is once again put into a place where she has no choice and gets dressed up in some weird outfit and is now suddenly some high position foretelling priestess for the Empress of the Shanchan. Like, Min gets no choice in this. She just gets, like, swept up because that's just how the Shanchan are. Matt doesn't even speak up for her. When it happens, he's like, just go, just go along with it. It's easier. And I'm like, Matt, do you know who says that? Slavers? People who commit sexual assaults? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I was, there was something else that I was watching, kind of like an online issue where two different groups had taken different sides on something that someone had said and this was you know Mm -hmm. clearly not in real life they're talking about fictional characters and people here so but right 
I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Matt, but, but if, I was like, but wait, oh my God, if Matt was a woman, Mm -hmm. I don't know if people would be as like, oh, you know, like laugh it off, I guess. Yeah. Forgiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a better way of putting it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because it's. No, I think, I think you're right. I do. I think she would get ripped apart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, honestly, thinking about it, my hands are kind of shaking. Because even, like, I'm thinking about that post that you put in Discord with that response. Like, my hands were shaking after reading that, too. Oh, yeah. For people who have no idea what we're talking about, some ass hat left a really, like, kind of gross message on our YouTube video after someone had said that it meant so much of them that Nynaeve and Perrin looked like her and someone had just a really nasty yeah. comment so yeah fuck that anyway sorry Tracy it's okay you had like the most <laughs> elegant and perfect response like hats off to you for just oh, being thank you. thank you thank you you're welcome you are just brilliant and I, I love you for the way that you handle things like that like you're kind of a warrior for people who need it and I appreciate it and like in this situation, like seriously, my hands are like kind of shaky thinking about what would happen to a woman in that situation because whether we like it or not, and I mean, I definitely think you should probably not like it. Women continuously like get torn apart for just about anything, anything. Like it takes such a small amount of provocation, and if you combine something like complicit behavior for a slavery nation like I can definitely see like a huge backlash to that yeah especially now but with it being Matt in the books (laughs) at the very least like I've always thought mm-hmm. Matt kind of just gets a pass because he's lovable yeah. Matt, you know? Right. The scamp. He doesn't yeah. know any better. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't understand the complexities and stupidness of slavery. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Sarcasm. If you, in case you didn't know. I don't want this. Yeah. Heavy, heavy, heavy doses. Heavy (laughs) doses of sarcasm because, yeah, no. But I agree with you. I agree with you. That's how it feels. Like, it's almost like he gets to, like, skip his way through it. Like, don't worry, guys. I'm going to go fight the last battle. We can talk about this later. We can talk about slavery later. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, I mean, do you think they ever do? Because I doubt it. I just doubt it. I have no idea. I have no idea. No clue. No clue. Yeah. And I mean, I don't really want to hypothesize about like the like extensive outcome of what could happen, but like just in the series, had Matt been a female in that situation, I think it would have been very, very, very different, very different from like the yeah. reader perspective, like the response, yeah. And also, also, you know, it would be great. Mm, tell me, is just the personality that makes up Matt like lovable, mm-hmm. feisty, mm-hmm. kind of goofy. I would love to see a character like that, but female, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. 
I think that that's actually how Bear Lane is, but nobody's in on the joke. <laughs> that's how I see her. I love that. Because Matt's always like flirting and I mean, uh-huh. let's be honest, it could be taken as like being slutty, I guess. Sure. But because it's Matt, it's like, ha ha ha, like it's just totally Matt fine. being Matt. It's yeah. Matt. So that's how I see Bear Lane. New view. Yeah. New view. Yeah. I, I don't I don't dislike it. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, her and the Aiel are the only ones in on the joke. That's what the joke yeah. is. That's the joke. I mean, I, maybe, maybe for Bear Lane, sex is a great way of just like, you know, experiencing pleasure before and or after a business meeting. Who knows? But okay. So anyways, you know, moving aside from that. No, that's a really good question. I'm glad that you asked that. There's just far too much that happens because of reason, and it's usually male. You got to pass on this. Whereas if you're a female, identify as female. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. So moving on, (laughs) like I said, (laughs) I'm looping back all the way to the beginning with men because i talked about how she's let in on this secret now so she's kind of like being pulled into this super secret babysitter's club (laughs) fuck yeah the group dynamic is very very interesting with this one because Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just because of like a channeler thing like Mm -hmm. Egwene, elaine avienda Nynaeve Mm -hmm. can all channel, but men cannot. Yeah, but even though she is kind of brought into this group, she's still always on the outside. So even when, like, they decide all three of them are going to marry him, Mm -hmm. men is always on the outside, but it always always seemed to me that's what she chose, you know? Like, she wasn't really interested in being, like, BFFs. You know what I mean? Like, she liked a little bit of distance. Actually, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I wrote this down, too, about how Min always feels like she's the outsider in the groups that she gets put into. And how, like, even later on when she's with Rand, it's usually just her and him alone. Like, she's curled up in a chair reading someplace and he's talking to whoever, like, She's not hanging out with other people. She doesn't really have a mission other than being there for Rand with Rand in those chapters where she's with him. As Doing all to, the like, emotional heavy lifting for this poor yes. prophetic, mm-hmm. not prophetic, mm-hmm. for this poor chosen one who has to do yeah. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I feel as though. I don't know if she chooses it because she wants to choose it or because she knows she doesn't really have a choice again. Like, Elaine and Avienda go through a fucking ceremony to be born again as sisters, and then there's men. (laughs) Right, and it's so weird because they go through so much in The Great Mm -hmm. Hunt 
And by the time we get to the last battle, it's almost like that never happened, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of like... They've oh, taken such fucking... divergent paths. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, look, Min's, Min's here. Cool. Like, Yeah. Hey, Min, nice seeing you. You know? Like, I feel like she gets very little support in any way from people around her like i feel like she's the one who Especially has to be rand. The support for everybody I mean, yeah like most mostly she, rand yep, mostly rand and i mean maybe she's okay with that maybe that's her thing i get it i mean if it if this were me and like if rand were andrew <laughs> and like the only way I felt I could help him was by doing a shit ton of research and being there to be there for him. That is exactly what I would do. Like, and I would be happy to do it. Like, sometimes that's just our roles for the people that we love. That doesn't mean that that's, like, our roles for the rest of our relationships together, although I have no idea what that's going to look like for Rand and his three wives later on after the last battle but yeah but you would you would do all that for andrew but andrew's mm-hmm. not like hey tracy by the way i feel right. like i might be in love with two other women right so exactly. while they're out living their lives and doing what mm-hmm. they want to do and saving the world like how about you read a book for me right <laughs> no, not, that's not how he that's not how rand says it approaches it but no. <laughs> I no, always th- feel like men kind of got the, I don't know. Short end of the stick? Yeah. I That's how I've, like, especially on the last read-through, I just felt like either Min is an introvert and this is exactly what she wants, or she's choosing to feel, like, an independence away from the other women because she can't, she can't break into that intimate relationship that Avienda and Elaine have with each other. There's just no way for her to do that. And she will always feel like an outsider in that. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad for but men. I mean, yeah. And I mean, Elaine's not going to have time to like develop a deep relationship with men. She's got a country to rule or two. I don't know. I don't remember how many she ends up with at like the end of the books. It, it would be hard for me not to. Okay, that's a lie. <laughs> out of out of Elaine, Egwene, Nynaeve, Avienda, there's only one of those four that I probably wouldn't be friends with, and it's not Min. It's Egwene. Yeah, but Min is someone that I could feel like totally chill with. But she right. also seems like the kind of person who would be, like, attached to their boyfriend. Like, like mm-hmm. you're never hanging out with just her. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. like, we're a package deal. <laughs> we do mm-hmm. nothing without each other. <laughs> nothing. Always together nothing. forever and ever. Men's, yeah. pro- <laughs> Men's profile picture is her and Rand. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Actually, I'm pretty sure I I think I think my profile picture on Instagram might be me and Andrew. <laughs> You're a men girl, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting because when these books of when bleh, I think it's interesting because when these books were written, like this is mm-hmm. a very kind of stereotypical way to look at relationships at that time. Mm-hmm. But when we look at someone like 
Rand and Elaine, totally mm-hmm. different. Like, yeah. Elaine is an independent woman. She doesn't need a man. (laughs) She's, I mean, she would be fine with Dragon Reborn sperm donor. And she has a whole (laughs) entire (sighs) castle of people to take care of her. Like, her needs are met. She doesn't need a man. She's financially independent Mm -hmm. she has status Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. she doesn't need it so like Mm -hmm. i always thought that that was a really interesting take on the relationship Mm -hmm. and i understand where people are like oh like elaine she doesn't even do anything for Rand, and it's like why does she have to do something why does she have to yeah like right fucking let her go do her thing yeah avienda i thought was always an interesting one too because they're actually of the same background, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, they're both Aiel, mm-hmm. but Rand <laughs> is like, oh, like, Rand's Aiel, but he knows nothing of the culture. It, it, he's Aiel mm-hmm. only in blood, I guess, at this point. But as time goes on, yeah. Yeah, he gets a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But he's still, you know, that woolhead from the two rivers more than he's an Aiel man i would say truth yeah i agree with that completely they have a really interesting dynamic as well i guess interesting yeah that's a word for it uh the beginning it's uh, very difficult to read and just not very fun but overall like i'm looping all the way back around to when we were talking about the polygamist situation Mm -hmm. and i think it's just interesting that even though it is this like weird kind of creepy like i'm not sure if it's just trying to like spice up the books at a time where it was a little like too far out to go into like sexual kinky stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. i think he did add a lot of like subtext to each person to mm-hmm. make each relationship totally different. I, I don't know if that makes it any better or any worse, but mm-hmm. it's still interesting because you can mm-hmm. break down like all the differences and how incredibly different each relationship is mm-hmm. with Rand. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that, that they each have their own kind of individual relationship with Rand. I just, I wonder how, maybe it doesn't matter, but I wonder how realistic that actually is, like how possible that would be. I mean, it seems really idealistic that like somehow this just all happens to work out and Rand gets to be this guy who somehow magically figured out how to have one relationship with three different women. You well, know? that's the thing. It just... It's the pattern demanded it. So okay, and so he just knows how to like manage this. <laughs> Is well, that he really doesn't. why he's... he doesn't that's know how to manage it? Away. At the end of the last battle, he's running away from his marriage to three different women because he's like, "What the fuck did I do?" He fixed the pattern. The last... Now they're the all gonna wake up. They're all gonna wake up the next day and be like, "We've been duped." <laughs> why did we ever go along with this? 
Burn you, pattern. Burn you. Yeah. How about we wrap it up there? I'm fine with that. It seems like a perfect place to end our, our discussion for the day. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.